once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis. Today, we are here with Jeff Pierce. He is an ambient musician, but most importantly, he is a full-time musician, which I know everybody is really striving to get to that level. So he is here to drop some knowledge bombs on what he's done, how he's accomplished things that he's accomplished, and uh, just kind of give us some general guidance. And first, I just want to say thank you, Jeff, for joining us today. We're really happy to have you on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me here. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And so for the people who may not be familiar with you or your music, what you're up to, do you want to give just kind of a brief breakdown of who you are, what you do, a bit about your history and uh, all that fun stuff? Okay. Uh, well, I've been releasing CDs since 1993. Uh, mm-hmm. I have, gosh, I should keep track. I, I have 17 albums out, I think. Uh, since then, uh, I play very, very slow instrumental music, and uh, almost all of it's with electric guitar, but it's been very processed to the point that it does not sound like what we think of when we think of electric guitar. And and that's about as summarized as I can get. <laughs> <laughs> so just to clarify, so it, it's like kind of like non-mainstream music that you play correct oh it's it's very non-mainstream okay it's, my my stream isn't even like 20 miles from the mainstream it's <laughs> it's way off <laughs> over to the I've, side i've only heard a little bit but yeah what i what I, I just wanted to clarify for people that it's not like a commercial sound that you have going oh. in okay cool no. so basically can you kind of describe a little bit uh in detail um kind of like I don't want to put this kind of when you started making money as an artist. Um, I, I was fortunate. I, I was fortunate that I, I knew from the beginning, from that first album release that I was a niche musician, that there was not a huge audience for, you know, slow instrumental music at all, but there was a very loyal audience so I, I was fortunate from the offset that way back in 1993, I was able to sell some CDs. Uh, my goal with that first album release was to just pay off the cost of the CDs. And at that time, to press up a thousand CDs with artwork and all of that, uh, it, was, it was around $3,500. And that seemed like a bargain at the time because other places were charging a lot more. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, now you can you can do about three CD projects for for that price. Yeah. But at the time, it was a it was a serious investment, and I literally relied on brick and mortar shops in my local area because there was no, you know, the internet as we know it now did not exist back then uh, yeah. in 1993. Yep. There was no Amazon, there was no iTunes, there was 
no CD Baby or Bandcamp. There, there was nothing. Yeah. And so uh, it became a matter of just being very, uh, <clears throat> very persistent and getting my music to radio programs. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the smartest thing I did because suddenly they, they would get, um, they would get inquiries from their listeners. You know, what was this thing that I heard? And at the time, a lot of these radio programs had physical mailing lists to where every week they would send out, uh, here's what we played on last week's episode kind of thing. And there was contact information, uh, again, physical address contact information. So I would get letters in the mail you know, inquiring about my music. And looking back, that was just, I didn't appreciate it at the time, but it was a great way to build a really loyal fan base, uh, a listener base, just because when you sit down and you, you pick up pen to paper, and then you put it in an envelope, you put a stamp on it, you send it to someone, you're pretty much invested at that point as, as a listener. And yep. I know, cause I, I did the same thing. I did the same thing. I would listen to syndicated uh, radio programs like music from the hearts of space. And they, they had the same thing going on every week. They would send out a letter and it had a piece of paper in it. Here's what we played on last week's show. Each artist, there was contact information. And of course I'd get in touch and buy CDs and then later on trade CDs with other artists. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a a huge lesson for me in just being very responsive to that. If I'd get a letter in a mail, I'd, I'd have one out the next day, you know, a a return letter to them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something that quite frankly, I'm kind of miss in in the days of just sort of anonymous streaming and and things like that. Um, But fortunately the listener base for my genre of music is older than me, but some are around my age. Mm-hmm. So they they really kind of approach music and the consumption of music a bit differently than maybe some of the other you know, popular mainstream genres. Uh, they still want physical media. Uh, that's That's one thing that I, I get letters about, well, letters, emails now about, about just saying, just just keep up the physical media. You know, these people have, you know, again, they're, they're kind of audiophiles. They've invested a lot of money in their stereo systems, so they want that physical media. They want the best possible sounding uh, media possible. And they, they also like the experience, you know, the, the experience that I had growing up with LPs, you know, I'd open it up, I'd listen to it, I'd, you know, look at the jacket, I'd read the liner notes, uh, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And that's something that's missing a bit in the digital age. So I still do my best when I deal with my mailing list, or social media posts, to kind of have the approach of that one to one, I'm writing one person a letter kind of yep. thing mm-hmm. fair so when did you actually start um getting like the point where you're actually making decent sales so that yeah. way you can make of it 
Well, yeah, and, and I, I completely avoided answering that question, didn't I? And I'm sorry, I got What's off on a tangent. Uh, yeah, with, with, my, with my first album, um, again, I was fortunate that it was on CD. It wasn't uh, just a cassette-only release. Yep. And I, I don't know how this happened. This was one of those happy accident things, but uh, Mercedes-Benz had a new sound system coming out for their cars and they wanted to put together a like a basically like a sampler cd you know to show the the range of that and someone doing this project for mercedes benz got in touch with me and said hey this is this this is what's going on it'll be a good chunk of change for you um, I'm, I'm always like a little skeptical, even, even back then when I was, let's see, 1993, I would have been 26. Um, you know, I was, I was like, well, yeah, we'll see what happens. I doubt if I, and it turns out they were, they were completely legit. They gave me a nice big check. And again, on the CD, there was contact information and I got a lot of physical CD sales because of that. So that was a, that was sort of my introduction to that. And over the years, it, the, the income kind of went up and down uh, throughout the mid nineties, around the time, this, this sort of, I don't know, I'll, I'll call it a dark period, maybe between about year 2000 and when iTunes came along. Yeah. Uh, that was that was where I was at my lowest. And as far as income goes, uh, it, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't there. There was no way I would have been able to do that full time at that yeah. point. And a lot of my friends that were making music um, in, in my genre, they just stopped because, I mean, yeah, it didn't look like it was going to get better. You had Napster and everyone could listen to your stuff for free. And it was it was going up on there whether you wanted it to or not and if if someone would take it down well someone would put your album back up within a few seconds and yeah. it just it was it was really something uh kind of scary uh because <laughs> i didn't really you know that that wasn't my scene so i didn't really fully understand it and i know that there were some people and I heard years later that they were using that to listen to music and they hear something they like and they go buy a CD. Uh, yeah. Personally, I did not see that from my side of things. That was when sales were just pretty much the lowest for me. Um, but around the time of iTunes, around the time CD Baby came along, that's when things started getting better. Uh, CD Baby at that point was kind of seen as sort of a, you know, a funky kind of non-mainstream place to sell your music, but it was filled with what people call super fans. You know, people that would go to CD Baby and buy 10 CDs at once of a whole bunch of artists. And CD Baby would have those, uh, those offers every so often to where if you buy more than three CDs, your shipping's free. And yep. of course that would kick things up as well. Right around that time, Amazon.com started opening up a uh, program for independent authors and musicians. And I 
it, like like with most things in in my music career, I I just say, well, why not? You know, I'll try it, and if it's terrible, if it's terrible, I'll leave. And yep. there are there are some things that were terrible, and I left, and then they left shortly <laughs> shortly after. Uh, so I did the same thing with Amazon, and uh, my my music has sold very well there. I've I've been I've been surprised. Uh, CD Baby, it was the same thing. My music was selling pretty well there. And then when Bandcamp came along, uh, I, I really think that that was where I started to see a big turnaround as far as income goes. Nice. Because Bandcamp is completely filled with people who are uh, music addicts maybe that's a I don't know yeah. if that's a good word or it, not but people like me who just go in and buy a bunch of random stuff just to support the indie mm -hmm. scene yeah. exactly yeah exactly it, exactly yeah I I discovered Bandcamp through another musician and yeah within 24 hours I think I had I had purchased like seven or eight CDs from from people just because it's like yeah me are all random mm -hmm. band purchases yeah. that it's like oh that looks cool I'll buy yeah. that yeah and and Bandcamp is I mean they're they really are as of what June 9th 2021 they're they're really the most musician friendly platform that I have ever dealt with um, everything is about what can we do to connect the musician and their listeners? And they are, they're great about that. I cannot, I can't think of one bad experience I've had with Bandcamp either as a customer or as a musician. It's just been, it's been wonderful. But, but yeah, a lot of people are doing what you're doing. They're like, we want to support the scene and they go to Bandcamp and then they realize it's like, well, even if I didn't want to support an indie scene, there's a lot of great music here that I want to buy and that I'm not seeing other places. Yeah, that, that's definitely what I love about Bandcamp is just the ability to discover art, artists that I wouldn't otherwise have found because yeah. they're not on a label, they're not getting any promotion, all that kind of stuff. Right. And you were saying earlier that you're still selling quite a lot of physical media because that's what your audience is looking yeah. for what yeah. format do you think is performing the best for you is it still cds or do you think it's, like it's still well it's still cds and and here's why um again the average ambient music listener is a little bit older than me i'm i'm 53 with about a month to go to 54 so um i'd i'd say they fall somewhere around 60 or so and back in the early 80s, I mean, there, there were LPs and cassettes of this music. But when you're listening to really, really quiet music on headphones, which is kind of the preferred way to listen to this sort of music, uh, on vinyl, you would hear clicks and pops. And it, was, it would just sort of take you out of the immersion of, of experiencing the music. So when CDs came along, that was just... Uh, among ambient music fans, they were like, listen, you can listen to this whole thing and you could listen to a 60 minute piece of music without having to flip the LP over. And there's not going to be any skips. There's not going to be any pops or crackles or anything. It's just going to be the music. So that was, that was 
I, I know as, as someone who listened to ambient music as a, you know, a late teen, I was, I was completely sold. It's like, yeah, this is great. This is a great format. Now, I know that there are some ambient musicians that are also releasing their, their album projects on vinyl as well as CD, and some have stopped CD whatsoever. Um, I, I don't know if that's more for a nostalgia standpoint, but a place like Bandcamp is really good in that if you buy a physical product, whether it be an LP or a CD or a cassette, you have instant access to a a download. So you can go ahead and put that one in your phone and listen on headphones if you want, but you'll still have the actual physical product in your library. And um, that that really matters, it seems to my audience. Uh, I still get uh, emails every once in a while because of a couple of digital only projects that I put up on Bandcamp that you know, we're, we're just shorter EPs. They were just, they were what they were kind of thing. And yeah, I, I get emails. Hey, are you going to put this out on CD? It's like, well, okay, maybe, maybe I should at some point. Um, but I just, I put the, those out there thinking that they're, they were such kind of weird projects that maybe no one would want them on CD. Well, you know, someone's always going to want them on CD. So that's just the conclusion I've come to. I have a, I have a follow-up question just in regards, regards to this. So I'm, I'm looking at your mm -hmm. store now. Um, you only have one available on the store. Is there a reason why you only have, have one there? Why I have what? Only one CD on the store. Uh, on which store? On Bank your, what, no, your web shop. I mean, Oh, my web shop. Well, yeah. are you talking jeffpierceshop.com? Yep. Is that yeah, not the there, there should. Yeah, that's that's my shop. But if you go up to music, oh, there should I, be a lot I, of CDs. I'm on the wrong part. That's why. Then never mind. Okay. I'm, I'm <laughs> okay. on the section right there. So I'm looking at the okay. feature. But, let, but yeah. I do have a question about your shop, though, and it, in, uh, not just in regards to that. Do you find that you make more sales on there, or do you find it's more on Bandcamp? It's, it's more on Bandcamp, and I'll tell you why. Um, on the front page of Bandcamp, they, uh, towards the bottom, they have the genre charts. And yes. I've, I've been fortunate that with, I, I want to say, say this nicely without coming off like a jerk or something, but I, I've been fortunate that they have an ambient chart. And yep. when I release something, it does pretty well on the ambient chart and it is sort of it it's the snowball effect you know yep. people on my mailing list on Bandcamp they'll be the first to buy it and then when it shows up on the ambient chart the people that look at the ambient chart might think to themselves hey I'll, I'll give this a chance and then they end up on my list and I I've really picked up a lot of very good and loyal customers that way. It's, it's been surprising to me. Well, so, okay. So how do you, how does one usually get on the ambient chart? Is it just because you've been selling so well in the past or was there an actual it, way to do that? Well, um, Bandcamp gives you a couple of options when it comes to releasing an album. When yep. you, when you put your album, when you make it available, 
Bandcamp automatically sends out an email notification to people who have bought your stuff in the past and yep. said, hey, Jeff Pierce has a new album. You might, you might remember that you bought such and such album a while back. And then they give the artist the option of being able to send out an email through Bandcamp to anyone that has purchased. So I will usually let Bandcamp let that notification go out day one. And then on day two, I'll just send a follow-up with a lot more detail about the album, uh -huh. uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. So, uh, cause, cause I know, I mean, look, I, I buy a lot of music on Bandcamp, so I get a lot of notifications saying, Hey Jeff, so-and-so has a new album. And I'm like, wow. So, you know, I got, I'm going to go pick it up. And yeah. that's what I do. But I also get so many of those that it's easy to miss. It's, it's easy for yeah. me to skip one. And, uh, so that's why I do the, the second day one a lot. And that seems to help. Do you do more than one follow-up or is it just the one? Oh, you know, I just do the one. I, the I one. really, I, I just do the one through Bandcamp uh, just because I, I know my audience pretty well. Okay. And I've, I've been fortunate to realize over the years that I'm, I'm not so much my audience, but I am an ambient music listener. So, uh, with, with meeting people, with meeting listeners at concerts over the years, I've kind of come to the conclusion that ambient listeners are, we're, we're very pleasant introverts, you know, and, and we kind of like to be left alone to experience our music. And sure. I've, I've seen it happen with other musicians in my genre in the past that, you know, they, they just hit hardcore you know, daily, daily emails and, you know, all, all of that. And they just, they don't give up on it and they start to lose their audience because their audience is like, look, I, you know, just, I, I, maybe who you are is speaking to me so loud that I can't hear your music, you know, that, that kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. so a, a lot of times space is important, but having something like the web shop and having, uh, having the ability to control your prices on Bandcamp every so often, and I'd say maybe once a month, once every uh, six weeks, I'll do a crazy sale on Bandcamp or on my web shop. And I'll send out, it's like, Hey, for the, you know, my, my wife and daughters are, binging Fuller House on Netflix this weekend, and I don't want to have anything to do with it. So for this entire weekend, uh, you know, all CDs are $5 and all downloads are name your own price, you know, nice. give me something to do that kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah. with with Bandcamp, people have have mentioned this, and I've seen this in articles, but I've, I've experienced this. So I know it's true from my experience that when you give Bandcamp listeners a chance to name their own price, they, a lot of them will generally pay more than you would have yep. asked them in the first place. Yep. So it, that is just, that's part of what I would call a Bandcamp culture. And I, I think that goes beyond the ambient 
category on Bandcamp. That's all categories. Uh, the people that shop at Bandcamp, uh, like like was mentioned earlier, you know, you want to support the independents, and that is as a as a listener, that's that's what you want to do. It's like I've heard good music, and I want to make sure that this artist is going to be able to make it for years to come. And yeah, they'll they'll pay more than what you ask. It's it's really odd. I don't know if we would see that anywhere else. To be to be honest. Interesting, uh, Corey. You want to ask some marketing questions? Oh yeah, definitely. I want to know just kind of what type of marketing that you've done and where you've seen the most success. So like email marketing ads, I know you do the, mm -hmm. you reach out on Bandcamp and that kind of stuff, yeah. but beyond Bandcamp, what else do you do to market uh, your music? Well, well, I did, I did run Facebook ads until, um, <laughs> until, <laughs> pardon? I said until they started to suck. <laughs> well, until, until something happened, I don't know. Uh, I got a notification like in January this past year that my uh, ads manager was completely shut down, that my business manager was shut down because of uh, an ad that went against community standards. And the problem was I hadn't run an ad since around Thanksgiving of 2020. So late January, 2021, I got this notification and yeah, I, I couldn't run Facebook ads anymore. Uh, I've, I'd had pretty good luck at that point with Facebook ads, but part of my mindset is, okay, well, if this door is closed for me right now, I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, I'm going to figure out what to do. And at that point, I started looking into uh, ads on YouTube, and mm -hmm. that turned out to be very good. Uh, that that has worked very well, just as far as growing my mailing list. I haven't I haven't even really tried to direct any traffic to my web shop. I've I've just I've taken the well. I'm going to try it. How bad could it be? Approach. And it's, it's worked very well. Yeah, I've gained quite a lot of uh, followers on YouTube compared to where I was before, but a lot of them just went over and signed up for the mailing list on my website. So uh -huh. that, was, that was surprising. Mm -hmm. So and, just to clarify, Jeff, so you're running an ad on YouTube to get people onto your mailing list? Is that what you're saying? I wasn't even trying to do that. That's what was oh. funny. I was I was just trying to. Uh, it's like I'll what I'll what I'll do is I'll just put it out there and see what they do. I had really no objective with the YouTube ads. I figured that it would probably result in some extra video views, which it did. Yeah. But I would put a link in there, like at the the header part of the video, oh. saying saying Hey, uh, if you join if you join my mailing list, you can get a 53 minute version of the song evening clouds for free. Click here just I to see it. what would happen. And yeah, a lot of people took advantage of that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Corey, you want to follow up on that? Um, so other than the ads and, you know, your email list, have you tried any other, any other forms of marketing um, through either social media or any other platforms? Well, I did, I did Facebook. 
And like I said, that that worked pretty well until <laughs> until that door was locked. Um, it, the same with Instagram, which was hooked into Facebook, that worked okay un, until the, the Facebook one went down and Instagram did too. Uh, with my with my mailing list, I I try to keep what I call purposeful contact. So if if I don't have anything to offer, I'm not going to write just to say, hey, here's here's what I'm doing with my day kind of thing. Um, yep. I think there's there's enough of that. Um, usually the idea is if I'm going to write to them, I have a new video, I have a new album, or I have a sale going on. Just you know, one of those three. So outside of that, I've not done... Um, I know I know you can do that with TikTok now. I know there's a lot of things you can uh, look into. I've not really looked into that just because my daughters are on TikTok and I, I just can't imagine how ambient music would be <laughs> would be used for that um, yep. un unless they start posting videos of cats sleeping or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> quiet music in the Honestly, background might that do it. That would be a really brilliant idea for an ambient yeah. artist. Because that would that, probably that could be. Cool. We're stealing yeah, this. That, I'm stealing that. Yeah, yeah we're steal it. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I think it I think it would be more funny to have baby kittens sleeping while Sepultura or, or Metallica was in the background. It's like, look, it's you know That'd the soundtrack. Metal. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 the soundtrack to their evil little dreams, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Maybe That's my cat's the. I think my cat's the only one that has evil little dreams, but I'm others might. Sure, no, most cats. all cats have evil little dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're right. So Jeff, moving right along because I just realized we're at the forty minute mark. We've already gone through a lot of stuff. Holy cow! Um, yeah. So. Did you do any type of PR actions with the album or no? Well, uh, here's, here's where it gets funny. Um, my, my college degree from way back in the day is in public relations. Nice. And I, I graduated, well, you'd think it'd be nice, but I, gra I graduated okay. in 1989, which was way before the internet. So okay. when the internet came along, I basically had a, a really obsolete set of, of skills uh, all of the, like the, the newspaper type setting that I would do in, in jobs. Of course, there's, there really wasn't need for that once I started my own music stuff, but the concepts, some of the concepts were still the same. Yep. And when it came time to do uh, like, like the PR for it, I did try an agency and I'm not going to name names, but they they wrote a bio that was, a, a, you know, about it, uh, it missed as many as it hit, I would, say, I would say, and it got put in a lot of places that those bios would get put. And it really, I really didn't see any, um, any, any response from it. Um, it wasn't terribly expensive. So that was one of those things to where I just said, well, I'll try it. And if it's terrible, I, I won't do it again. So that's, that's not really the way I go. And again, with my audience, I don't think that's the way they want me to go. 
to, to be honest. I think they're more interested in something handwritten or hand typed, um, yep. sent out yep. via a mailing list. And as far as growing the audience, it, it sure seems like Bandcamp has done a really good job of that for me. Before that, it was CD Baby that did it. Uh, the streaming services have been kind of hit and miss. Of course, when someone is listening to the streaming services, they have a completely different approach to the music than someone who wants physical media, uh, someone who wants to sit down and get to know the artist. With ambient music, it's, uh, it's kind of a mixed blessing with physical media because it will end up on some playlists and people will just put those playlists on and let them run all day long. But most of the time, they're not going to stop and go, hey, what was that song I heard? I really need to find out more about it. You know, they're, they're just going to let it pass and be kind of like musical static in the background uh, to, yeah. or musical white noise uh, to just kind of, kind of uh, set a mood in their environment. And that's completely fine with, as far as I'm concerned, but that's not going to really sell any physical <laughs> any physical media for you. So I agree. when it, when it comes to my marketing efforts, I'm, I'm going to put more effort into moving physical media. And if not that, then uh, downloads for the people Fair. that still do that. Fair. Um, Corey, did you have a follow-up before I get to the final question? No, go for it. Okay, uh, so let's just quickly go over uh, your Savvy Musician Academy experience. Just uh, sure. super. Uh, how long have you been a part of it? Uh, let's see. I think I got my first course from them in 2016. Okay. And that was another, I, I think it was Facebook for Musicians, something like that. And that was another situation to where I, I saw an ad on Facebook and it was, it was the first time I saw the ad. So it wasn't like I'd seen it over and over. I saw yep. it and I thought to myself, well, <clears throat> I'll try it. I'll try it. And if it's terrible, then, uh, you know, I haven't lost that much money. And I tried it and it was, it was really helpful. So after that, I think it was the online musician that I tried and I did it with the, the same approach. It's like, okay, I'll try this. If it's terrible, well, guess what? I've, I've learned a little already, so it's not a total loss. And of course, that was, that was really good um, as well. So when Leah was doing her other programs, like the Elite program, which was considerably <laughs> more um, money, I thought to myself, well, I'll try it. And if I lose a ton of money, I lose a ton of money, but I've had good luck so far. And it's, it's been a great program uh, with that program, especially. And it was not, I, I guess it wasn't really uh, advertised as such, but the material is good. However, the interaction with other musicians is fantastic. Uh, other people that are, going through the course as well, even in, you know, I've, Leah said something with like our first Zoom meeting that I, I thought was kind of silly, but I, I, she said, you know, this is the first meeting. There's a lot of people here. 
but I can tell you already that some of you are going to end up being friends for life. And it's like, I'm, I'm kind of an introverted guy. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, that was a funny thing to say, but that's not going to be the case. I, I swear now, <laughs> you know, about three years later, it's like some of the people from that course are some of the closest friends that I have. And we will, we will do that when we, when we uh, have our own private zoom meetings, just to check up on each other's lives and stuff, you know, yeah, we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about this much about music business stuff. And then this much about, <laughs> about life stuff, because it, it all kind of feeds each other. Yeah. You know, if, um, if, if your life is, is, if you're going through a ton of bad stuff, it's like, yeah, that's, that's going to affect your music and that's going to affect your marketing efforts. And, and it yeah. should life is life. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what happens. Agreed. But that was, that was, probably the biggest surprise and the best thing that I got from any of her courses was the interaction with other musicians. Cool. Now, the final part of that question I'm going to ask you is, um, like, I, I know it takes a chunk of change to invest into learning this type of, mm-hmm. type of stuff. I'm not going to say ask how much, obviously, but do you think that the amount that you invested into learning about the marketing out was outweighed by the amount of money that you were able to earn back? Oh. Oh, oh, easily. It paid for itself. Uh, yeah, it paid for itself. Let's see. I joined up on that one, the super fan system elite. That was what, like July of 2018. And just by the stuff that we talked about regarding the Facebook ads, uh, putting together good emails to send out to our list, all, I'd, I'd say I made that back by January of the following year. So like January of 2019, uh, nice. just, just because of, uh, I, I always did pretty good, but sometimes when someone holds a light up to the things <laughs> that you've done and said, well, maybe this, this approach here isn't so great. It's like, well, okay, I'll try it. And yep. if it doesn't work, I can always switch back. And of course it worked very well. And that was, you know, that's, that's why you sign up for those programs to maybe not necessarily build everything from the ground up, but to tweak what you have that's not working that you don't even know isn't working. Yeah, fair enough. Corey, do you have any final questions for Jeff? No, I think we've given people a lot to to think about and mull over and and learn from. So yeah, I'm good on my end. What about you, Curtis? Um, I got nothing other than Jeff. Can you tell people where to follow you on social media or to a store or something? Yeah, well, uh, my my main website is jeffpiercemusic.com, and that's Pierce is spelled P-E-A-R-C-E. I'm I'm like mm-hmm. one of four people that spell it that way in the world. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others being my wife and daughters <laughs> and uh, from from there there's uh, there's links to Facebook which is uh, Facebook slash Jeff Pierce music and if you want to check it out on YouTube it's youtube.com slash Jeff Pierce music so uh, so yeah and Bandcamp you can just search for Jeff Pierce I show up cool Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Jeff. And with that, I say party on, Corey. Party on, Curtis.
If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.